She does live in Aubrey. That's um, sad, Dave. But I did know... Uh, well, it's, I'm sure it's sad for somebody. It's not, oh, partic- it's not particularly sad for me. Um, but I'm sure it's... Look, I, I know, uh, I think mum was a bit sad, and I think sure. my aunts were various levels of sadness. Um, I'm reading into this that you don't have a, a, a deep and abiding love of your grandmother. It's not about love, Steve. It's about like. Um... <laughs> Well, see, here's this is the interesting thing about funerals. So the the funeral was held up in in Canberra, which is where she had lived for quite some time before. Did you make it? Yeah. Did you know about it? I did. I did. Okay. I was. Well, see, here's the difference. I was informed about Ah, this funeral. Right. (laughs) Like, anyway, Um, but. It's unfair of me to push that. I, I will let that <laughs> no, go. No, no, you should. You should push it because it is kind of funny. <laughs> but I have, I've been, again, as you can tell by the fact that I actually published that episode, I have actually been next door and, and you know, uh, and, and made amends and, and given my apologies. And uh, and lucky for me, someone else who apparently knew them who didn't live next door, but who did know them well, also, uh, even after I had been over there, came over full of apologies, saying, I'm sorry, I don't re- read the paper, and so I had no idea, nobody told me. Yep. So, you know, I'm not alone, Steve. I, I might be a monster, but I'm not alone. <laughs> Look, the, the amazing thing in these twofold, Dave, one is that, you know, you've been able to, to reconnect with your neighbours and, and sort of make good on that. And the other one was that you said at the start of the last episode, I've got a new system, Mark, it'll only take a couple of days, and not the four weeks it ended up taking. I can't. Every time I went to go over and see my neighbour, there would be people there. And this is, this is not exactly the conversation you want to have in front of either strangers or her children. It's oh, I like, would have said the strangers was the easy one. G'day, everyone. How you doing? Oh, sorry I didn't know about your husband dying. <laughs> I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> Fair. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but no, so with, with, with my nana... Um, yes. I can't remember what I was telling you about it. But yeah, no, we had a funeral. In Canberra, you knew about it. You were attending. Oh, I, I was attending... Um, and, oh, that's what I was going to say. It, it was interesting because there were you know, there were a whole bunch of people there uh, who had been her friends while she lived in Canberra. Right, and so they you know, were all telling us what a wonderful and funny and warm person she was. Yes. and I'm like checking in with my parents, and I'm just like, are they talking about the same woman? <laughs> are we at the right funeral? Hilariously, in um, in Mum's eulogy, she talked about. Uh, you know, Nana used to be a big one for you know, baking cakes for CWA and all mm. this sort of stuff. And some of the other people at the um, at the funeral mentioned that that oh, you know, absolutely was uh, you know, she made amazing cakes and this, that, and the other. And then Mum said later, you know, not during the eulogy, clearly, she's just like, yeah, we never got any of those cakes. She never made cakes for us, yeah. only for the CWA. Anyway, yeah, and those, those people at the CWA are what are known as survivors. <laughs> so the. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, there was a lot of things left out of the eulogy, like uh, yeah. you know, if you're having a cup of tea, Nana would uh, you know, ask you if you wanted a biscuit. Sure. And then you know, if you said yes, she would come over and she would open the biscuit tin and she would get out 
a biscuit and give it to you and then close the tin and put it away. Thanks, Nana. <laughs> oh, but that's she that's only offered like, she only offered a biscuit. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's depression era mentality, right? You you are allowed to have a biscuit because yes, that's all you know that we I offered you, uh, but also that, that it's doesn't matter that you're a kid. You just you, that's how no, it works. no, you it got a biscuit. It wasn't just to the kids. She used to do that to the adults as well. Yeah. Or at least, like, she did it... I know she did it to uh, to all the, the, the son-in-laws. And, and What so do you think she is, Dave? Made of biscuits? <laughs> well, know. she's not now. Also, also not in the eulogy, uh, the time she gave me po- food poisoning by giving me spoiled yoghurt. Um, I'll and... take you back to that, that conversation about the CWA people being survivors. Okay, but the... Uh, so, this one sticks out in my mind, funnily yeah. enough. Like... Like, the first bite of this yogurt, I went, I think there's something wrong with this. Oh. And I didn't want to keep eating it. And oh. Nana, like, threw a fit Insisted. going, don't you dare waste that. You need to eat that. So oh. I did. And then, like, <laughs> not that long after, I was very, very green and very, very sick. Mum went back and she sort of, you know, went through the bin and found it. And, like, the yogurt apparently was, like, close to a month out of date. Oh, it's never great when your mum does that to you when you're 25, is it? <laughs> Oh boy! So yeah. So look, she just honestly the 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 most emotional part mm. of the entire funeral for me was uh, when we talked about my papa dying, which is yes. twenty two years ago now. Oh, Dave. Um, that was certainly a lot more raw than yeah. the death of my grandmother two weeks ago. So were you close with your your nana ever, or has it no. just been in the later years, or no, it's just never no, been look, a, this, an emotional thing with her? Look, when, when she moved down here to Albury, uh, and she was living alone before she moved into the, the nursing home. Um, I, yeah, for quite some time, I looked like would do her weekly shopping with her and take her out and would have a mm. coffee. And yeah, and that was fine. It was, it was you know, nice enough. Um, but, you know, I just don't have that endearing closeness with her. And a big part of that is, you know, it, it, just, she was this sort of standoffish authoritarian. Yeah. Um, not very warm towards you. No, no, and it wasn't just me. And I, and she did played weird mind games with all the grandchildren oh, too. Uh, like we and we were sort of compared notes about this. You know, <laughs> caught up with some of the cousins, and yeah. and we had done uh, at times in the past too. But how uh, Nana would like to your face never acknowledge any of your accomplishments or achievements, anything like that at all. Sure, like we'd just be like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Yep. Um, and then would sprout what all the cousins had done. Yep. But she did this to everyone. Right. Like to all of us. So all of us felt like she didn't give a rats about us, but we're constantly... Everyone else. But she was being, But we were constantly being judged against all the wonderful things that all the, the other cousins were Jeepers. doing. She did it to all of us. And so everyone was just like, Ugh. So, That yeah. sucks, Dave. Oh, look, it was just, that's who she was. Why like. did she choose to settle in Albury if you, because you're... Well, because yeah. the youngest daughter um, was the one who ended up having to do a lot of stuff for Nana. Uh-huh. And so she moved firstly to Sydney, and Nana didn't follow her there. Yes. But then she moved to Port Macquarie, which is where Mum and Dad lived. Yes. Uh, and Nana followed. So why didn't Nana stay there? Well, because then... Um, as like most other retirees in yeah, New South Wales be, have. Because then my aunt, aunt moved back to Canberra. And so Nana moved back to Canberra. Not back to the suburbs where she had previously lived and where all her friends were, mind you. Yes. Completely the other side of the city and then would 
complain about how hard it was to see anyone and do anything and would like she she liked people waiting on her i think was the thing right um and then my aunt moved from canberra down to albury and again nana followed yep uh because she liked having a a daughter who she could um <laughs> effectively bully into doing stuff Gosh. for <laughs> yeah Gosh. so yeah and then, of course, she, uh, through her own stubbornness, ended up in a nursing home because she injured herself and wouldn't do any physio, and so the doctors refused to sign off on her going home. Yes. And there we go. And the rest, as they say, is in the Aubrey Wodonga post. Actually, I think I think there was a death notice in the tumour and at a long times. Well, but, if, um, if that was where the people would have known her, I guess yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think there must have been one in, in Particularly Canberra because well. that generation would have read it. Well, yes. Yeah. So... So yeah, so it's been funeral palooza down here, Mog. That's crazy talk. Did did your like while your 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 papa was around, was your nana better then, or was it just no. it was unnoticed or, no. or less noticeable because no. papa was great and she wasn't? No, she she was all just always like that, and and you know, um, did he run sort of interference at, at, at all? Oh yeah, run? yeah, he did a bit. Like yeah. Uh, uh, going back to the the cakes, my aunt told a story about how one time she pinched some almonds off the top of one of the cakes, and of course, Nana threw a fit. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, you know, was play acting. Oh well, I'm very serious, you know, and he was going to give uh, give her a spanking for every almond that she'd eaten. Mm. And so apparently he took her. He said, "Right, you're going to come and meet me outside." Um, and before she went outside, she went and grabbed a whole bunch of newspapers and shoved them down her pants. <laughs> Ran out. Anyway, goes outside and he's play acting. All oh, right, he uh, getting a spanking yep. and you know gave, gave her a hit for every almond that she'd eaten, but far enough away from the house that Nana couldn't tell that he really wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was all noise and no no effort. Putting it all on. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, Papa w- was definitely the one who would always sort of try and pull her into line occasionally. So. Mate, so with, it, without without him, around. it sounds like it sounds like your papa got got your aunt outside and whispered in her ear, "Run!" <laughs> no, it was just stand there and pretend this hurts. <laughs> Jeepers! Oh uh, yeah, but the, no, yeah, he was he was quite lovely. But. The revelations that come from your grandparents sometimes, like at their funerals, is pretty amazing. It is like in that, like I, I remember, like my paternal grandparents I mean I was close close to but not as close as my maternal grandparents because we lived with them um, as in in the same house we built mum and dad built a house with them um, but I, I knew them and I, I respected them my my dad's father died when I was young and that was kind of a, a blip like it happened but it didn't mm. mean a whole bunch and he was always a bit gruff uh, very Lutheran farm stock you know um children should be seen and not heard kind of vibe um his wife uh dad's mum was lovely and caring um and and still reasonably strict but always just invested in her family just loved them all to bits uh and i read a eulogy at, at her funeral and and got like 85 percent of the way through it and i was really angry at myself for getting upset but anyway that's a whole other thing um my mum's parents i loved my granddad to bits like in the biggest way and um just like fond memories when they first retired they moved because we were living in dubbo um they moved into a house that was sort of two streets away 
and they would always be looking after us kids while mum and, and dad were doing things or whatever uh, for various reasons. And that was that was awesome, you know. They they Brown was always a bit of a stickler, you know, go and wash your hands and come back and let me feel them so I can make sure you've washed your hands, that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. But granddad was like, come on, we're going for a walk. And you go for a walk with granddad and just, you know, he would tell you tales and, and you know, roll his arm over, play cricket with you or whatever. It was just always fun. Um, and sometimes it would be, we've gone for a walk. He said, oh, I feel like an ice cream. Let's get an ice cream. Uh, and it, was, it just happened. You know, like it was never, we never had to ask for it. Mm. Um, we'd also been beaten into submission. You don't ask for it. But particularly, we just knew a walk with Granddad always ended somewhere and it was always going to be fun. Um, and like I remember hours of sitting up. The, the Think of like a granny flat, but built on top of a house. Yep. Um, that, that was where uh, my pe- mum's parents lived in the house that we built. And there was a ramp up the side for Grand because she couldn't do stairs. Um, and I remember just, yeah, hours sitting out on the front veranda with Grandad talking about the cricket um, and talking about the tennis. Because they were his two big passions as players, as a player, as a young man. And a, um, when you're a farmer out west, they're your opportunities. You know, you play some sport or you do farming things. Um and that was both when he was a young bloke and, and a, a married man. And, and mum recounts having get dragged off to tennis tournaments all over the district and she had to score. Because <laughs> um, that was the vibe, uh, right? Yep. He went, yeah, she oh, went with her dad. Because Gran never went. Like, she was very uninterested to travel two and a half hours ago and watch him play tennis. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes she would go. Um, but inevitably, she got talking to all the other wives. That was their job. Um, you know, prepare afternoon tea and do all those sorts of things. Yep. So mum was upright and intelligent. She did. She scored. Um, he passed away while I was on a camp in grade, I'm going to say 11. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated. Devastated. Um, it's a stupid thing. But he'd always said, you know, he'd dance at my wedding. Uh, and I'm in grade 10 or 11, right? Like miles away from ever getting having, getting married. Uh, but that was one of the things that was just, just rushed forward in me when I heard that he'd passed away and stuff. So the camp finished and I came home because it was, I was on a bus, you know, sort of six hours from home. And when I talked to mum and dad, there's no mobiles, right? I had to have some friends break it to me. Yeah. Um, uh, that like leaders on the camp. And they said, look, you can call your mum and stuff. And they said, you know, you stay at the camp if you want, or they'll come and get you. And, and I was like, look, it's a long bloody way. And we've got to go home in a day anyhow. So I might as well stay here. But I had that conversation. Um, Funeral happened. I can't remember a thing of it, but it certainly happened. Um, and Graham was certainly sad. Um, and and she, like, so that was that. And But then she didn't pass for another, gosh, I'm going to say uh, probably 10-ish years. Okay, yep. Um, living upstairs, and she just got sort of seemingly older and a bit angrier and just a bit tougher to talk to and, and those sorts of things still mm-hmm. like even to the point where like I, I was you know sort of 24-ish five-ish and I'd come home to see the family and see Gran and you know you get the impression that if you went upstairs to sort of have an afternoon tea or have, have a meal with her you'd still have to go and wash your hands and come back and <laughs> let her feel That's that kind of crap um, she yeah. remained pretty active like always went to church um, you know would go out and get involved in all sorts of things, like go down to, um, she'd go and play bingo. 
you know, reasonably social kind of vibe, whatever, and pretty low um, uh, cost. Social interaction come gambling thing, whatever, knock yourself mm-hmm. out. Um, anyway, at the funeral, when she passed away, because her passing is just, that is a whole other podcast. I don't even know if we've talked about it, but she... I don't think we have. Yeah, she committed suicide. It was right. brutal. Um, at, at her funeral, uh, a bunch of ladies, a bunch of people turned up that we all assumed were from the bingo hall. Cause I, mm. and, and as a, as a younger kid, we'd all gone with grand to bingo sometimes. Yep. And sat there and, you know, dot, dotted the things and gone, well, this is great for about 10 seconds. Have a nice day. Um, but we were spending time with our grand and of course all the other old women were lovely and all the rest of it. Um, so mum was talking to some of these women that turned up, oh, how did you know? How did you know mum? And, oh, we used to love seeing her. It was marvellous. She'd come on uh, bus trips down to, to the ca- the casino to play pokies with us and all of those sorts of things. And mum was like, what? Pokies? <laughs> like, Gran was notoriously anti-gambling and all of that sort of stuff. What do you mean? Well, she would, because the community bus would come and get her and she'd go down to bingo and, and then come back. Like, we never had to transport her often. She was able to access... Yeah, those services. Turns out she wasn't going to bingo. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, just like that's crazy. <laughs> that's a revelation, isn't it? So she's just pouring money into these machines oh. and, and sitting there and talking to them and having a great old time or whatever and judging everybody else. I'm sure. Oh, um, but she, yeah, she got hooked big time. Wow. See, it wasn't pokies that hooked my grandmother. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if I've shared it with you before. It was. Uh, it was the Reader's Digest Corporation. Oh, God. So, what a horrible... Yes. So, of course, their thing is they send out the envelope going, you know, mm. if you buy some stuff, you mm. might win this prize. Yes. And Put most... this envelope in a thing with the thing stuck to something else and blah, blah, blah. And... <laughs> Sorry. We just got a text from Andrew complaining about being called out. <laughs> I wonder if you saw it. (laughs) (laughs) But he's... he's (laughs) This is the best. How did he know that we were recording right now to see this? This is so good. This is getting a bit better, isn't it? Oh. (laughs) We'd just like to say hi to Andrew. Um, And we're glad that you're listening. And uh, it's marvellous that you decided to do it right now while we're recording the next episode that you won't hear for four weeks. Um, just spectacular. Oh, oh just so good. I <laughs> just heard you chuck shit on me on the podcast. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, that's spectacular. Oh, this show is ridiculous. Oh, anyway. What um, even is this? Anyway, so. Yes. Yeah, the Reader's Digest. So, like, the, the, oh. the shtick there was, basically, she would be buying books. And, like, they weren't always, like, the horrible Reader's Digest books. Mm-hmm. They were quite often, like, normal books. <laughs> but, but, um, but they were, like, at full rec retail price. Like, like, and I'm not talking, like, what you would buy it for in Dimmicks, because even they don't sell stuff at rec retail. No. You know, like, full, you know, $50 for a big paperback yeah. sort of pricing. ludicrous money. And, and also... Um, for um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Also, like it's often stuff that you would think is already like in the remainder bin somewhere for mm. a few bucks. Um, and rubbishy stuff. 
and and they just yeah it, she spent thousands upon thousands of dollars on on that stuff um yeah but yeah so that that, that ended up being her particular vice was it a situation because i remember them and it was always it was never a case of um just sending like put this paper back in the envelope and sometimes it was like take this token and put a black cross on it and then put it in this thing and stick it to there and send it back. Like, oh, it was yeah. that kind of vibe. So is this yeah. them getting around like legal stuff uh, so I, that they are it's not a game of not chance a, not a but lot, a game of skill? Lottery, yeah, I don't know. I never looked closely enough, but it was just either way, it, it stripped a lot of cash out of her over a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. And it also meant that, you know, um, birthday and Christmas presents uh, mm. for a long, long time were like readers digest books or DVDs. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but but yeah. See, see, and and Anna was kind of the opposite. Like, and again, this is why she wanted to live near uh, my aunt was because she wouldn't do the uh, I'll take the community bus or you know, whatever. Like, she even objected to taking taxis anywhere. Uh, it, it was like she wanted people to take her places. Oh, um, and yep. she lived, you know, relatively close to uh, the centre of town. Yes. Um, and we talked to her like a lot of times about getting uh, a mobility scooter. Yeah. Because there were yeah, paved um, uh, it was paved, and stuff. paved yeah, yeah. all the way between her place and, and the middle of town. Would have been easy to do, like not far. You know, it's not even like you'd need some, you know, Tesla esque scooter with an enormous <laughs> battery to to make the trip. Right. Any any little mobility scooter would have done it. And no, she wouldn't wouldn't. And she let it slip one time that yeah. if she had a mobility scooter we wouldn't have to come and see her and take her shopping. And we're like, well, we're not saying you should have this so that we never have to come around. We're saying this because, like, what you are doing is, is like, you're walking to, like, the, the local post office, which is, like, a block away, and you're telling us that you're almost falling and this is causing troubles and this and that and the other. And we're saying, you know, if you have a scooter, you can do that safely. With, yes. You will still come and see you. But uh, she wouldn't have a bar of it. And that was <sighs> that was sort of her all over. Um and and I swear, her. her so th- there was a, a young couple who lived next door to her, right? Yes. A- and so she'd befriended them, and then um, and their parents, mm-hmm. uh, and their parents were probably about the same age as as my folks. Um, and I swear they must have thought that we that we were just the worst people in the world because she would like as soon as if she sort of wanted to do something if. We sort of said, no, I can't do it today. Let's do it tomorrow or next week. Yeah. She would then hit them up and we'd be like, oh, they've told me they won't take me to do this. Can you help me? Mm. And so just like, they must just think we are horrible. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah. And, We're and, facing a similar problem with, with Michelle's mum yep. in that she's finally, like I'd swear to you it was 14, 16 months after she was told she needs a hip replacement. She's finally had it. Um, in the time while she was waiting, she sold her car because she hadn't been able to drive, but particularly now it was a case of, well, once I've done that, I'm not sure that that's going to be a thing that I can do anyway. Um, so she's now has no vehicle. She's on the mend and getting better. We have had some basic discussion about getting a thing, but she's not keen on that because even though there is reasonably speaking a close by like shopping centre Woolworths kind of vibe, that she could take a, um, you know, a, a mobility scooter or whatever to, 
that she doesn't like that one. Oh, of course. The that's one not, she likes the is nice one. another 10, 15 minutes drive from there. Um, so it's, yeah, anyway. <sighs> but but she does, like we keep saying, there are a million options around transport to get to places. You don't have to rely on people as in your friends or people from church or even us to get to a lot of these places. You know, you're eligible for care that would mean that someone could come and pick you up and take you shopping and walk around shopping with you and come back. Mm-hmm. Like yep. the, the the government subsidizes all of this sort of stuff and, and you would have to pay not very much for that to be a thing. And there's community transport. And if you need to get to the hospital for checkups, the, there's patient transport things that you just have to plan and book with them. Mm-hmm. No. Nah. Yep. She won't catch a cab, mate. Yep. Like that's, the that's most mine, frustrating thing is you could get a cab. Well, like with Nana, it was doubly crazy because, uh, so because Papa was a POW, mm. um, and so she, as his widow, had you know, a bunch of different benefits through mm. um, Veterans Affairs. One of the things that was completely covered was taxi services to and from every single medical appointment that you might have. Yep. No, nah, wouldn't do it. Just oh. would not do it. It's 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 driving Michelle insane. Um, I haven't I. And and that's the other thing too. It's not even like I can ride my bike over there and put her in the car and take her because she doesn't have a car anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and we're a one car family. Um, it's like it's that level of cray. Yeah. So, and and the worst part is that I talk to Michelle. Why won't she catch a cab? And Michelle's pretty frank in her um, reasons why she says, "Well, my mum won't do it because she, maybe." have to get into a car with someone that she thinks is beneath her. Ah, and right. Come on. You know, like, that, that's not... That's not her mum that I've met, but I have seen some of that. Yep. And, you know, sometimes people get old and you think they're marvellous and sometimes there's parts of their personality that are not so marvellous. Mm. And I, and I don't know how... I don't know how you deal with that. And and that, that stuff, I think, seems to get worse with age. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like... I mean, my mum's been horrible for the entire time, but that's that's a separate thing. <laughs> well, like, N- N- Nana was absolutely getting worse um, at, at you know, as, as she got older, and especially after she had the fall and was hospitalised yeah. and then had to go to the nursing home. Like, she mm. was outright offensive oh. about people, you know, she, you, about... Um, you know, race, weight, whether they were just, you know, <laughs> had red hair, I don't know, she just, anything she would decide yep. that she didn't like, she would oh, happily mate, blurt out. We we suggested that maybe, you know, she might, when she comes out of hospital, because it's past this now, but when, when Michelle's mum came out of hospital with her hip, that she might need to, you know, go into some respite short-term care or something like that. And uh, nope, no, nope, because her fear now, of course, because when her husband, um, Michelle's stepdad, went into um, uh, went into care. Like, he walked in and within a couple of weeks was in a chair, within a f- maybe a couple of months after that was in, like, didn't get out of his bed. And right. then 18 months at best later mm. he was gone. However, he went in at 90-something with reasonably developed... You know, Alzheimer's. Yeah, you've you've got to imagine that that decline was going to happen anyway. 
Oh, you know, it it and it, it wouldn't have been easier to deal with had he been at home. Oh he, no, he had to go into care because he'd fallen a couple of times at home, and Michelle's mum couldn't get him up. Mm. So he had to go into care, and while she was uh, able to, you know, get around and and drive around herself and go and see him, that was fine. But of course, that changed. Well, that's all changed now, particularly. But he's he passed a couple of years ago. Oh, mm. probably more than that now, but you know, again, anyway. I just also want to clarify. I realise that I just slighted my mum. My mum is not horrible, all of entirely, but some of her views I do not subscribe to, and uh, she holds some of them very, very tightly. And that's hard. Like I don't know. Yeah, you can't you can't put your values away and just completely ignore this stuff but you also don't want to be completely uh antagonistic or always yeah um in conflict with these people that you care about it's a it's a tough thing to yeah to, it's horrific, to walk, i think that's exactly it. why can't in, like in part it's like why can't we just go you know what i get that you disagree with me i know that you're wrong i still love you let's get on with it mm. um don't act like you know i'm some special brand of um, Suki Lala, because I hold a different opinion opinion to you on something, and that you have to bring it up every time we come together. Yep. Oh, and it's it's also along the lines of it's, uh, <laughs> you know that uh, you sort of want to make that truce and go. Well, look, you know, if you don't bring it up, neither will I. Yeah. But <laughs> they seem to have trouble not bringing it up. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, one other thing though. One yes. good thing did come out of the funeral. Yes. Yeah, mum and dad found my Lego train set <gasps> and bought that down. And Dave. And the box that had all of my instruction manuals in it. Dave. So, so while there is still while there is still a pretty substantial bag of Lego that's missing, I at least have all my instruction manuals. Oh, which means Dave. that if I ever ever have nothing to do with my time and too much money spare. So in I can 2035... Just, I can just go into BrickLink and recreate every single one of these vintage sets that I don't have all the parts for anymore. Hmm. So that's... um, Yeah. <laughs> that's a bit exciting. Jeepers. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, so, so look, it's been... It feels like it's been very, very Dave heavy these last little while. How are you? <laughs> I was kind of hoping that maybe we'd get through a whole episode and it wouldn't get brought up. Okay, well, we can, we can keep going. You see, uh, I bought a new microwave this week. Dave, why did you need to buy a new microwave this week? Well, He Stephen. asks somewhat knowingly, yet still very keen to know the answer. Well, you know those, like, wheat or corn heat packs that you oh, can oh, buy. Yes, I'm very familiar with them. Very, very useful things for, you know, dealing with muscle strains and mm. injuries and all that sort of thing. Sore backs. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever seen one catch on fire? Oh, I have not. Uh, neither had I <laughs> until last week when one of my darling children uh, put it in the microwave for twice as long as they were supposed to. Oh. And all of a sudden we can, there's this popcorn burning horrid smell and smoke throughout the entire house what is like what is what is longer what is twice as long as they should 
in this instance, two minutes. <gasps> Rather than one. And that was enough. So was it this... corn or was it wheat? I think it's. I think this one was actually... Like, it, look, again, it's kind of hard to tell looking at it now. If it's <laughs> corn, wouldn't it have just started popping? Well, well, no, not all corn pops. Not all. But anyway... Lies, I don't, I... lies and damn lies, Dave Gorkroger. if it was wheat... It, it smelt like burnt popcorn, but I don't know. Look, all, all I know was that the inside of the microwave had, like, uh, this film, like, because it wasn't just smoke that came out. Like, like obviously, it cooked whatever, you know, uh, fluid is inside the grains that was heating up. Mm. Um, and that's just splurted everywhere. Uh, like, we just the, took the microwave outside. It was trashed, but it, the smoke had, like, discoloured kitchen cabinets and then gosh so it was so just, you need to renovate your kitchen again no thankfully you just need to clean it which is hard enough because i but no so so that was at one night earlier this week so the house Farewell, just, microwave goodbye microwave we had had that microwave since uh 1999 gosh yeah, we, we we bought that and a washing machine back yes. on. Re, remember back before Harvey Norman had the like we're all in on the uh, you know buy now pay exorbitant interest rates later. Oh yeah, GE stuff. Well, don't they still specialize in that? Well, they do now. But back in the day, do you, I don't know if you recall, they actually used to have like their own finance company where um, yes, where you would get your little paper booklet with your, yeah, all your stubs in loose. it, and and it was you know that it was. You had to pay a third deposit, and then it was nine percent interest on the remainder. Yes, um, and so we we actually had used that to buy a uh, yeah a washing machine and a microwave because the first place that Rachel and I moved in together, we were sort of semi private renting slash house sitting someone a, yes. a place for someone who um, she worked at the same school as for a while, um, but. Yeah, so it was low-cost rental, but also didn't have some stuff, but did have other stuff. It was all a bit a bit weird. Like, it was mostly empty, but not completely. So we had our furniture, but a few bits and pieces of their stuff that had to stay there. And it was, yeah, it was a, an interesting setup. But that we bought that stuff, and, and, and the microwave was still going strong up until one of my children killed it. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that's what kids are for. Well, it is pretty much. And, and then just to make things worse, the, the next night, we're, we're out, we're, we're on the couch, watching some, some Queer Eye as a family, mm. and there were some leftover golden syrup dumplings that we Rachel cooked a couple of nights before that popped in a, uh, a saucepan to, to heat up. Yes. And I got distracted. <laughs> and you could have kind of smelt this sort of burnt smell. Oh. But but we all sort of just went, oh, yeah, that's just like the smell still from the microwave. And then it was only like a, a maybe five minutes after that that I went, oh, no, it's actually probably the dumplings that I put on. So I rushed out to the kitchen, turned the stove off. Sure enough, more smoke coming out of the saucepan. So oh. two nights in a row, we had burnt food smells throughout oh. the entire house, which is just wonderful this time of year also when, you know... We, it's 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 not cold enough to have the the heaters on, but we certainly don't have the the house opened up. So yes. you know, opening the windows to let the to air that place out lent to a, a lovely chill. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, the good thing yeah. is though, Steve, microwaves still not expensive. No, in fact, they're one of the few things that we've really them and, and televisions 
uh, one of the few things that electrically uh, we've benefited from due to capitalism. Look, I, I can't argue with you because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we paid because like, I think I got this for just a bit under 200 bucks and I'm pretty sure that we paid about 200 bucks for the last one that we got back in 99 yeah, so yeah. you know that that's fine and, and then you wonder it's better and does some shinier things so Mate, I, I remember my parents getting the first microwave we had in our house when mm-hmm. I was a teenager and I know they paid a ludicrous amount Later of money. Doctor. They may have well done the Harvey Norman, you know, give us Silish your firstborn stuff. Well, um, well, ours, I don't know if I've told you the story. Ours came because Dad won a sales promotion for Holden. Oh, of course he did. And got a, uh, a shopping spree at uh, Meyer in Sydney. Yes. Uh, and they bought it there. Like, the... the it, it wasn't even on the radar of something that we could afford to have. Yeah, yeah. It, well, was, it was it was too expensive an item to have at your sort of big W's or precisely. So whatever's. they got they got bought on the on the Maya shopping spree. Mm. Um, and I like the idea of a word spree when mm. it's attached oh, to shopping. It was. Uh, you're not paying for it. It was great. Well, it, it, see, and then, I think I think I have told you about that because that was because they also bought a whole bunch of baby stuff on at the same time. Boo. Uh, including this big pram, and then Mum had a miscarriage, and so all that oh. stuff sat in the spare room, Yuck. unneeded for some time. Oh, so that was you. sort of all. Yeah, That's horrible. It was. It was not great. Uh, I always, always look at the people that win like these. You know, you've got sixty seconds to run around this grocery store slash toy store <laughs> and get whatever you want to get. You got to get it in the trolley and get it back to here to be able to take it home. And, you know, the people that, the, the, some people just turn up in those situations and just go, oh, you know, anywhere. And then you've got the people that study it. They walk in and they know I'm going to this aisle and I'm doing this and put it, and, and then we're racing through to it. Like they've got their map mm-hmm. laid out. Um, and I always have, you know, sort of these glorious um, dreams where you go, um, I just, if it was me in that situation, I'm going down this aisle. And I'm basically hooking an arm behind everything and just pouring that shit into a trolley <laughs> and run it. And the second trolley will be ready to go, uh, whether it's like groceries, it's potato chips or meat or whatever it is, or if it's a toy store, I'm not getting out of the Lego aisle. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. box you've got, doesn't matter if I come home with six of the same, every box you got is going in this trolley. Yep, and I, 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 I concur. Well, the, thankfully, this was not uh, held in a supermarket sweep-esque. Mm. Um, uh, it was much more dignified. Ian, Ian, Ian Burgess uh, adjacent sort of uh, sprint. Was, was it, oh, no, you're right. It was, ter- it was Terps on Supermarket Sweep, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, that's right. Burgess was on, on the wheel. Um, yeah, so anyway. Uh, no, it, it wasn't that particular format it was a bit more here's your budget go and spend it in this department store yeah as it should well be gloriously mm. planned down to the last cent you know and those things where you look and go oh, we really we've always wanted to get this but we can't afford it and this allows for this so we'll turn up with an extra 50 dollars and get that magical thing that we want to get on top of it or whatever so that microwave which would mm. have come into our household i'm gonna guess probably around about 83, 84. Jeepers. Yes. That, that microwave is still functional. Yep. <laughs> and... It's now uh, like the office microwave yeah. at, at uh, Dad's factory. <laughs> it <Yes>. still works. <laughs> Marvelous. The inbuilt obsolescence of, of things these days is ludicrous, isn't uh. it? 
I had uh, my my Harley is eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eleven years old now, and we Michelle and I talked about a year ago that we need to replace it, um, but we are not in a position to do so just yet. So acknowledging that maintenance costs are going to be more expensive for it. Um, we just have to wear some of that out and, and that's where it lands. Um, this last week, my bike ticked over 62,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. um, which that, is not, that, t- not too bad for Harley, but certainly uh, a lot. That, and that's, that's, that's pretty respectable for 10 years work too. That's not uh, bad. It's certainly a lot for, for Harley's. Um, I'm going to get email from Harley owners now. You're so lucky my dad doesn't own a Harley anymore. Oh, my, my people... Yeah. I, I know where the oil goes and the fuel goes and how to pump the tyres up. <laughs> like, legit, that's that's almost the sum time. I'm learning more and more as the thing breaks down. Um, <laughs> but I'm gaining an appreciation. Let's call it, like, let's call mm. it that. Mm-hmm. This week, I was coming home... This week? Last week, I was coming home from work and uh, did this weird thing where... I pulled up at the lights and I know where it sits. Now, there's no taco on, on my bike, but, you know, you get used to hearing it at a certain rev sort of situation when you're idling. Um, and, you, you know, it should be about that 900 to 1,000 for a good good Harley. Just sits and it burbles and it's wonderful. It went up to about 3,000 and just, mm. I had not, I thought I'd hit the, 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 the accelerator. No, had given it no wrist, couldn't get it to settle down. So rode on, was still doing it weird, pulled up at the next lights, the thing cut out. Like just stopped. Started straight away, but still then idled at, at you know, three thousand. Like, this is weird. Oh, this is weird. So, you know, call them, take it in. I said, I don't know what's wrong. These are the, the symptoms. It's only been doing it for like twenty four hours, on and off. Like it started fine this morning, but then it did it again today. Okay, no worries, we'll look at it. So they check over the whole bike trying to work out what it is. Uh, and it turns out a sealed unit sensor that is about the size of a, uh, look, if I understand it correctly, about the size of a 50 cent piece mm-hmm. uh, and about as tall as about six or eight of them stacked on top of each other um, that controls the manifold, fuel, air mixture, something, something. Yep, yep. Died or was, you know, failing. No worries. Yeah, because your bike is 11 years old, we have to get one from the Harley factory. Um, well, luckily they were able to find one in Mackay and got it sent down. Uh, but Dave, guess where that part lives on the bike? Under the fuel tank. (laughs) So the part itself is not that expensive, Mm -hmm. but the whole fuel tank has to come off (laughs) and, you know, work and blah, blah, blah. So, right. Well, they did that. That was 550 odd bucks. Um, and they noticed in the looking at the bike, Mm Mm-hmm. Have you had any problems starting it? And I went, oh, a bit, but I hadn't. I just put that down and maybe the battery. Oh no, no, the starter clutch is going. Oh no. Um, so you can persevere, but you might get caught. Your price said, look, just how much? Just do it. Um, so that was another four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was planning to get the sixty-four thousand K service done earlier, um, just because. I mean, like I said, sixty-two. Yep. But that's going to hold on probably until maybe 66 now. Because mm. um, that was $1,000 I spent on my bike that you both can't see. Uh, and now I'm in, a, I'm in a bind, right? Even if, even if magically, the money turned up on our doorstep. I can't really, in good conscience, 
run off and get the bike replaced because I just spent a thousand bucks on it. I have to get some value out of this damn thing. No, 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 no. See, now, now you're falling into the sunk cost fallacy, Stephen. Like, because the the thing is that the next thing that's going to go is also going to cost you another five hundred thousand dollars. Like, you know, like yeah, yeah, you, I, no, one hundred percent. Just no, the it, the money's gone. The money's yeah, it's gone. It's no, gone. There's no question. It's gone. Don't try and get value out of it because that way lies madness. Mate, the... I had I had that with a Subaru Outback that yes. eventually I had to pull the plates off and hand over. It. The only person who would buy it was a mechanic because yes. it turned out that the engine was in such bad nick, despite the fact that my uh, mechanic who had replaced like the clutch in it and had to pull the engine out to do that didn't Ugh. mention. Oh, by the way, while I got the engine out, here are all these things that are wrong with it. Maybe we should fix it now. But that's again another story. Yeah, Me and it's, used cars uh, are not, not not good friends. The only good, the oh, by the way, the sixty four thousand kilometer service on the on the bike mm-hmm. about five hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, luckily, the tires are doing okay, and that they I both of them have been replaced in the last sort of eighteen months, so they're still good. But I did note on the receipt that they just had mentioned to keep an eye on the bearings somewhere. I can't, like, it's it's within oh, arm's no. reach, but I couldn't tell you which bearings, but that's never going to go well. Oh, no. Um, so... Well, it's either going to be wheels or crankshaft, really, no, isn't I it? I don't even want to know. Yeah. Um, but this but this is now the challenge, right, that I need to... Extricate yourself we, from we have We have crunched the numbers. And to be brutally frank, we probably could afford the loan that would facilitate getting a new bike, but... It would be so tight yeah. that if something happened, I'm not doing anything going anywhere. Yep. Like it would be, it, like it, there's just no movement in that if we do that. Mm-hmm. So that's the other part of it. The joys of working for the church where you don't get um, mega bucks. Um, you just have to live within what you got. Well, I mean, he, I could. Here's another question though. Do you have anything like um, income protection insurance or anything like that? I have toyed with it uh, in my, pardon me, <coughs> I've toyed about getting it in my, uh, it's a part of a super, they offer it, mm-hmm. um, and I know you can get it independently. Um, I mean, the worst the worst of my life around that, Dave, has gone behind me, um, around, you know, when I could have absolutely lent on, you know, some income protection insurance. The stuff that's always bought, mm-hmm. made me balk at it is that the premiums, well, okay, so fine. You do it and stuff, but then, like, they only pay you, like, 75% of your wage anyway. Yeah. It's like, guys, hang on. I'm paying you to make sure I can get paid when I, you know, lose my job or something goes wrong or blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to give me what I'm earning? How does that work? (laughs) It's the greatest gamble in history, isn't it, insurance? I mean, there's some insurance you do not go without. You've got to insure your car. You've got to insure your house. Like, they're just non-negotiables. I will not eat... To allow yeah. those things happen, yeah. and I don't just mean like third party. I mean like comprehensively insure your vehicles. Yeah, you know, insure your house. Make sure you walk around and, and add up, and then probably add twenty percent to whatever you think the value of all your contents are, mm-hmm. and insure it for that. Um, the one thing that I did learn about watching some oh it was um, you can't ask that they had an episode on survivors of of um, tragedies. And one of the guys that survived uh, the the big Ash Wednesday bushfires down in Mel- uh, Victoria talked about how like the town he lived in became ash, like everything got burnt, everything vanished. Um, and and he said for comfort initially he just became an eBay bandit. He tried to get everything back, uh, and he realised it's folly. Yeah, 
Yep. Like I don't need to get four and a half thousand books that I had that I appreciated that I read and keep reading and reading and all of those sorts of things. But there's no value in me trying to get those books back. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's something I don't even want to think about. Well, yeah. it, it, it's funny how much stuff transitions in, you know, the, the way they way technology transitions in our world because the, the only physical good in my house that I think I would really um, make a grab at might be our wedding photos mm. um, because the rest of my life lives inside my iPhone and I could restore that from an iCloud backup. Well, this is it. I bought it's, a um, yeah. uh, like a NAS to, to, to have storage in the house for things, yep. you know, just data and stuff that was building up and photos and all of those sorts of things. I probably need to have a review of what we've stored on it because since I, the PC died and I've moved to the Mac, I think I've accessed it once. Um and yeah, in the last probably 18 months, just about anything data-wise, since we got the NBN proper, anything data-wise has gone in the cloud. So we don't need that. It would legitimately be humans, cats, uh, wedding photos, and that's about it. Hmm. Yeah. There'd be a few other things, but nothing, you know, nothing huge. Speaking of cats. Yes. We, we we've come to the <laughs> because we haven't had enough of <laughs> to you're a horrible person, Dave. This episode, oh, Dave. Uh, it looks like we're going to try to rehome our cat. Oh, Dave, what's going on? Well, I'm allergic to the cat, and it has made my asthma m- much much worse ever since uh-huh. the day it came in. And you were aware of this before uh, you got a cat? I, look, I knew it was a possibility because. Although you know, although I have had plenty of negative reactions to cats, I also have lived with some where, after about a week or so, it just didn't affect me anymore. Yeah. So I was just like, well, we'll just kind of we'll roll the dice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we got over what, whatever the bad thing is when you roll the dice, and got a cat that that made my asthma much worse, and meant that oh. instead of having to take preventer medication, yeah. um, you know once a day for a couple of weeks during autumn and spring. Um, I have to take it twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hurrah. Uh, um, and I was just like, well, this is, I guess, one of those parental sacrifice things that you do because we had a child who desperately wanted a cat. Turned yes. out our cat's an asshole. <laughs> so not only was it that, that you know, I had to put up with it making my asthma worse, the, the cat also wasn't very nice <laughs> to Callie. And, and like is this antisocial, nasty sort of weird animal? Like it's a funny cat. It, it, like in so many ways, I think it has the perfect personality for our household. I think it's hilarious, uh, but it's not the snuggly kitty that Callie was envisaging when she asked for for a cat as a pet. Yeah. Uh, but now it's also like Rupert has developed an allergy to it as well. So he wakes up most mornings uh, congested and coughing and stuff like that. And so while I could go along with, well, I'll just put up with being uncomfortable. It, it, it sort of reaches the point going, well, if there are two of us who are uncomfortable and you who are the cat owner, the cat doesn't like you that much <laughs> and you're kind of not that enamoured with her, it might be time to find yes. the cat a home where she fits in a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be one of those horrible people um, who is... Trying to find a home for an adult cat, which, and I'm sure you can imagine how many people are falling over Heaps. themselves to have a cat. Heaps. 
that's not like a cute so little many. kitten and that and that doesn't particularly like you. <laughs> oh, Stephen. Dave, well, we've got you know, three cats. Um, we 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 got two. We've always, as long as Michelle and I've been married, we've had a cat. Like Michelle came, Michelle came with a cat, and I just had to accept that. Luckily, I could accept that. Um, in the course of us being married, I think it was inside the first twelve months, we inherited a cat from society because uh, a stray decided to nest outside our house. And I came home from work one day, and I get this conversation. Um, we found someone, and I went, "What do you mean?" And she introduces me to this thing, and then sort of I come back a couple of days later, and the cat's in the laundry, like in the bathroom, living in the bathroom. I had to help it. I had to wash it. Oh. Okay. So yeah. we inherited that cat. We got it looked after and, and desexed and vaccinated and all the things. And ever since then, we've had two cats. And right. luckily, if you want to call it that, <laughs> their ages have been so far apart that when one has gotten old and, and passed, mm-hmm. the other one has still been okay. So yep. we've kind of un- then underplayed. So there's that overlap. They're not all the same age. Except the last time we got a cat, we got two cats. Um, of course Because the kids wanted kittens. Mm-hmm. So we adopted via the RSPCA. This, mm-hmm. this, we were told brother and sister. And they might well be, but they're just both black cats. Um, called, what are they? Ebony and Shadow. Um, and Ebony's the girl, Shadow's the boy. Shadow's a boy. He's such an idiot cat. He's so great. He's more like a dog than a cat. Um, it's it's marvellous how much of an idiot he is. Um, and Ebony has, like, in a way that is almost unnatural, attached herself to my eldest son. Like, if you can't find her, she's likely on his bed. At night time, as soon as she recognises that he's gone to bed... She'll vanish upstairs and be on his bed with him. Which is exactly the kind of cat that I think Callie envisaged owning. <laughs> Rather than one that says, come here, pat me. One, two, no, now I've had enough and I'm going to bite you. Yep. See ya. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the cat, the eldest of the three cats we have now, Magnum, was a, was a flood cat. So the floods that happened, you know, 2001-ish, 3-ish in Brisbane, um, he ended up oh, was at the RSPCA... And we went looking for a cat and we went there and, and saw this one and there was sort of a warning when we got it. We had to sign a disclaimer that, you know, if he scratches or does something that, that we're kind of acknowledging that that'll happen and That's they warned you. us about this. Yep. Not once. Like, nice. he was a little bit grumpy to start with, but he settled right in. Now, he's not a super affectionate cat, as in he'll come up and plop on your lap, but he loves a pat and sort of, yeah, he's a cat cat. He just <laughs> does cat things. Yep. Um... But yeah, and that's all fine. I've never been, never lived in a house with a dog. Never been, but I've been on the farm where there's been farm dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all fine. But cats have just been, even mum and dad had cats. Cats and fish. And that's what we've perpetuated now. We've got cats and fish. Mm. Now chickens as well. Oh my God. I'm being replaced by animals. <laughs> yeah, our, chicken, we, our chickens are so far gone that we no longer even have the coop. We've ripped it down and got rid of that. Yeah, we're the other end of that, right? We just paid mm. a stupid amount of money to get a coop built so that the chickens had a place to live. Oh. Yeah, that's all right. It's, that's a whole other trauma about that, that coop. Hey, Dave, two amazing things. Actually, two amazing things and one bad thing have happened in the last 24 hours. Mm. The bad thing is I was committing an act of neatness on some bamboo in the garden 
uh, and I cut it, cut the, the dead stuff down, and that was all fine. And I'm just cut, cutting it up to put it into our, our bin. Yeah. Um, and it was using a pair of secateurs. Right. And I thought I was keeping my left hand well free oh. of the secateurs. Yes. And I wasn't. And uh, <laughs> luckily, it was like just a snip, but enough that I don't want to take the bandaid off and look at what kind of slice I've made in my oh, finger. No. And it's the middle of my middle finger. Oh. Oh boy, uh, yee. that's not that's not. It's not stitch territory. It's not that bad. Mm. Like it really was lucky that it only grabbed like the top bit, but it has sliced it good proper. Can you still um, move your your your, your finger? Oh, everything's all good. Like oh, that's Michelle, good. I'm pretty I'm... quickly put a band aid on it to, and and as long as I keep sort of that on it, all that'll happen is the wound itself will heal. The bit of flesh at the top will then either go great, everything's okay again, or um, it'll go no, nah, that's gonna die. And I'll just have to wear that out. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I once got a cut when we were putting together a cubby house. Um, yes. A saw cut across like one knuckle and that hurt a lot. And um, you know, I sort of just, again, patched up with band-aids. Um, yeah. And it was only like, like a week later when the sort of the throbbing sort of went away that I realized I couldn't move my finger properly anymore. Like, like, yep. uh, like I couldn't move, move it the, the full range of motion. Yes. Um, and like, if I, I could physically bend it out there, and that didn't cause pain. But I must have like just like nicked a nerve or something, and so, yeah, you know, the messages weren't getting through or something because it just would not move the way it was supposed to. And by that point, <laughs> I sort of you know, started looking it up, and it was like, oh well, if there's any nerve damage, it's too late if you've left it a week to do anything about it. So I was like, oh, fair enough. And I'm lucky that it came back. But whenever, like, I'm always really real paranoid about finger slicing stuff now having lived through that yep. weirdness no no I, and I can understand that and it just really bothered me um, that I'd nicked myself that I'd you, I've caught myself I thought you were about to say that you, you that like you'd shoved bamboo shoots in under the skin Ooh, or something no, that would be horrific horrible. like that because I've done that accidentally as a kid too and that's Ugh. oh yeah, that's, that's just pain that asking just for pain on a whole number of levels no no the, 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 the lucky thing on that is that and, and I know it's just flesh because I, I learnt for sure the other day after watching a, a very educational uh, medical video um, that there are no muscles in our hands it's all tendons okay fair enough well, the muscles in our hand all exist down it but cut one and see how you go <laughs> um, mm, mm. yeah no don't want to know about that and it's my left hand so that's when I play guitar. That's an important hand. Mm. Um, don't want it to be like that. Well, it's also um, your uh, gear changing hand when you're on the bike too. So that probably... well, yeah, clutch. You got to clutch it. Yeah, that that's probably useful. Look, mm. it, it is absolutely helpful, and uh, I need to maintain that. So not having to ride my bike today or tomorrow because I did it after park run. So mm-hmm. uh, that happened. Um, Excuse me, I, yeah, I'm fine, but still frustrating. Like it's a, uh, the good so, things that happened, Dave. Good things. Okay, um, let me, let's get to something uplifting. Um, I've watched a bit of TV of dead, in the past dead, 24 dead hours. You watch a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, but it's good TV. Oh, the right. two things that, are, one of them is that, uh, I don't know if you know, but last year, YouTube have moved into creating content. I had um, heard that, and and not just like not his... and, and not just Nazi propaganda and um, things yeah. that that are uh, saying that um, uh, what was the name is it 
Katie, uh, Katie Bauman saying that she doesn't deserve the credit for the uh, the photograph of the black hole and you know not just misogynistic no horrible stuff yeah not just some 16 year old jerk that has a million subscribers and is making $800,000 a month off ads um, blah 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 S- no, selling no, misogyny that. no like actual legitimate television yep um, and in, there's a great documentary I want to see that's on YouTube um, that is about the guy that created the Backstreet Boys and um, who was the other big boy band of that era there's a bunch um, of them, wasn't it? The New Kids on the Block. Yeah, but um, no, it was post New Kids. Uh, NSYNC. It might have been NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. They're about the same time. Um, um, anyway, they this guy, um, like, paid them. Uh, what was it? It was like a hundred and fifty bucks a day. That was all they were getting. They were selling albums like by the millions, touring around the world. They're getting paid a hundred and fifty bucks a day. That's it. And that's the, astonishing. Part part of the story, I think, from the Backstreet Boys' point of view, was that they sort of then planned this meeting where their parents got together with this guy, and with a great flourish, he pulled out a check and gave it to each of the boys ten thousand dollars. This guy, this old bloke that was was running them, yep. believed that he was the sixth member of the group, and that because it was, they were his brainchild, that he deserved ninety percent of their income. <laughs> of course, he did. So. Like even in the in the in the in the, the the little bit of the documentary teaser that I saw, one of the Backstreet Boys says, "If at that meeting he had given all of us a hundred thousand dollars, we probably would have paused and kept going, but that he only gave us ten made us go, what the hell is going on here?'" Yeah. Um, anyway, so that looks phenomenal. It's it's like the 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 boy band version of the Fire Festival doco, which I'm in. Like that that's all you needed to tell me. I'm in. Um, but that's. Speaking of docos, did you get around to watching the... No. Uh, oh, Got to watch it. Yeah, that's this weekend's job. Betting, betting on Zero. I, w- I watched it. It's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's horrific. It's horrific. Oh, no, no. I've seen the betting on Zero oh, have one. You? Oh. This is the Herbalife one. Yeah, yes. Sweet Jesus, Dave. Is Oh. It's like, frightening. In a way that... Look, my mum and dad were Herbalife people for about three months. It wasn't long, <laughs> but I remember having to have those sickly, horrible shakes that putting a banana in... Did not help. Mm. Um, in fact, made me want to vomit and for the longest time put me off bananas. Um, no, it, it, but that, that pyramid scheme, the pro- and that it's still allowed to I know, happen. It's Dave. still going. That it's still allowed to happen, and they have these massive conferences which are complete wank fests that allow them to pitch what is ultimately an impossible dream without you selling out the people that you know. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? It's horrific. I haven't seen the flat earther that's next, but Oh yeah. Dave, add, betting, oh my goodness. List. I just saw Betting on Zero and just I just watched it and came away. It was the same feeling I had after um the big short. Mm-hmm. Where I just went that is how how can we how can we let that happen? How can we let that happen? Yeah. And in both cases, our governments and our law enforcing people just did. They just let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm gobsmacked, and for that reason, I want to see Vice, which has been and gone at the cinemas, but I'm waiting for it to land on my fetch. Uh, and uh, me and I will go and buy a special packet of chips. Me and that movie have a date coming. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait because I love Adam McKay. I love that work that he did in 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 the Big Short and and the stuff that he does with Will Ferrell. So to that end, I'm very keen to see all of it happen. No, um, the YouTube thing last year, Dave, um, one of the greatest uses of nostalgia came to life in a TV series that is 
half-hour episodes, 10 episodes long, the first series of Cobra Kai. Is this a G.I. Joe thing? No, Dave. No, 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 hang on. The Karate no, Kid. The Karate Kid, yes. So this oh my is God. from the perspective of Johnny Lawrence, right? <laughs> so Johnny who, who... And to be fair, Johnny's... Have we had the discussion about how Daniel is actually like the yes, villain of the so Karate good. Kid? That, that video that this guy's gone through and looked at the original Karate Kid and actually said, no, no, we've got the bad guy wrong in this. It's Daniel. Daniel's the bad guy. And Johnny's, Johnny's been picked on and been ostracized because of <laughs> Daniel's bad behavior. It's a brilliant edit and so, so funny. Um, and every time I watch it, I get sort of through it and think, like, I know this guy's a comedian. But is he serious? Because this is he's put a good case together here. Exactly. Anyway, um, so it's it's... The, it's the same time has passed in Karate Kid world mm-hmm. as has real life. So oh, Johnny wow. has grown up. Ralph Macchio has grown up. Uh, Danny has grown up. Danny's become a successful car salesman uh, in the Valley <laughs> and has four or five um, hey, dealerships hey, hey, under on. his are, name. Are there some of the original cast in this thing? Yes, not just some. Oh, the my God. The guy that played Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, now his name's escaping me, but it's got a crazy last name. He's back yep. as Johnny. Yep. Ralph Macchio is back as Danny. To be fair, he wasn't busy. Um, yeah, pr- probably not. Um, uh, without spoiling things, some other characters are back and the people that played them, um, including a couple of um, Johnny's karate, you know, uh, Cobra Kai Buddies. crew. Yep. They've all grown up as well. Um, but we see some of them, and, are they, and they're still bitter. <laughs> well, John, Johnny, this is the thing. Danny's become a success, <laughs> of course. Yeah. And what's happened to Johnny? Johnny's yeah. like a, you know, kind of bit jobs here and there. Things are falling <laughs> apart in his life. He's driving a car from nineteen eighty something. Probably oh, the first car that he wow. had in high school. Yeah. It's it's a shit box now. All of that sort of stuff. And he decides to turn his life around. And the only thing that was good for him was karate. So he opens a dojo, a dojo, right, and convinces after after legitimately saving some kid from being beaten up at like a Seven Eleven, you yep. know, strip mall kind of twenty four hour joint. He steps in and kicks the, these kids' ass, uh, and the kid looks at him and goes, "You're you're amazing! Like, how can I be like you?" He's like, "Get stuff, kid. I don't care about you." Um, and drives away, and this kind of bleeds into him. You know, I think I want to I want to do this and be a karate sensei. So the kid kind of basically finds him and says, I want you to teach me what you did. So he starts a dojo and he, he, all of that happens. Does he get his, and, fa- does he get his fence painted? Cause well, that's remember that's Danny's training. All right. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> well, we, we, we said there seem to be some strong parallels here all of a sudden. <laughs> well, but it's all back, including the, the, you know, 1980s screen printed on the wall, um, you know, what is it? The, no something, no something, no mercy. Like, oh God. it's it's hard. And he's he's treating these kids like crap. Right. Um, And, and then kind of so, at some point, part of the, the journey for him in season one is that he gets it and goes, actually, well, I've got some responsibility. And, you know, they're all loser kids. Nobody likes them. But I can train them and effectively turn them into an army that... <laughs> but no, no, that, that, that no. mean I... Be, I become important and they become vicious and brutal and we we rise to the top of, um, you know, like the Valley Tournament. And they can kill for me. 
Because my, my team are the best karate guys going on, right? Right. So that happens. Danny gets wind of this. <laughs> right? Because he can't he, leave well enough alone. William Zabka, that's his name. William Zabka plays Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Um, Danny gets wind of this because some, there's some overlapping stuff and Danny had been focusing really heavily and, and he's like even selling out on some of it. You know, every car gets a bonsai and all that sort of thing when you buy a car from him. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty naff. <laughs> But I got to tell you, Dave, the storytelling and the story arc across season one, amazing. Like worth, put your credit card details down on YouTube. And it's like I said, they're half hour episodes, 10 eps. You have to pay YouTube. knock it over in an afternoon. Is it on YouTube Red or something, is it? Well, they just call it YouTube Premium now. Oh, God. But it was YouTube Red. Um, You knock it over in an afternoon. Like you don't even have, you can just sit down. It's like watching a movie. It's, It's, I think if I do my math, only just longer than Avengers Endgame, <laughs> which we already have our tickets for. Hey, um, you know, there's some serious irony in in like paying YouTube to watch some content they've created when you can actually go on there for free and watch like stolen uh, episodes of almost every show oh, from yes. the eighties, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's pretty crazy, and I'm sure somebody's tried to record it and repost it. Um, <laughs> That's that's a hot, but it, it's oh dear. Like if you loved any of the Karate Kid movies, mm-hmm. this hits all of the great nostalgia beats, and does it with a plum. Like the story is good, the parallels are good. So in Danny finding out, he decides to train this other kid, <laughs> or or this other kid somehow comes into his purview and he starts training him, and his daughter, of course. Yep. responds and she wants to get involved in the training as well and he's a little bit oh I don't know uh, his kids are spoiled brats because they've grown up with money and privilege yep um, so that she wants to give that's a good sign and all like it's good relationship stuff um, and it culminates in the big fight at the valley tournament where they face off mm-hmm. um, you know Cobra Kai Dojo and the Miyagi Do Dojo um, it's so good it is brilliant and an amazing hook at the end of season one for season two, and I just got a link to all ten episodes of season two to watch as Ooh. as screeners. So after we finish this, mm-hmm. by family, I've got a date <laughs> with my computer. Nice. So that's one one good thing. The other good thing, <clears throat> Dave, in the early hours of this morning, uh, into the evening Chicago time, um, the teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine landed. I have seen that. Yes. Uh, Dave, mm. I think I'm mad enough to tell you that I got a bit teary. <laughs> I love you, Stephen. You're the best. It, it, I, I, I got up early because I had to go to Park Run and I knew it was coming, so I thought I'll just have a quick look on the internet. Dave. <laughs> like, the name... The the name of the episode was revealed. We we really didn't get any hint as to what the story is. Everything is... You could make every kind of suggestion out of it. But to see the characters that are in it, to see some of the situations I I, that I, they're in... I, and I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to try to go uh, trailerless for the rest of the year. I don't... Th- but see, this is going to be Abram's hook, right? He's not going to give us anything. Uh, yeah, but it's... Not, it's well, yeah, but it, in the same there's, way, there's a lot. There's, see, yes. there's, there's even in this trailer, even in yes. this trailer, there's a couple of things that make me go. Uh, I mean, uh, we can talk about it openly, right? 
You're... By the time people hear this episode, the trailer will have been out for weeks. <laughs> the, the movie might have been out. <laughs> Could you imagine if we don't talk now between now and January? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that would be... you, you got to admit, that would be kind of funny. <laughs> it would. It, look, it wouldn't would be, be outside the realms of possibility. That would be so on brand. It would um, be so on brand. Um, Welcome to Brewery Street Playground, where we don't talk. <laughs> um, okay, so... The, the fact that it makes a Skywalker reference. Yes. Ugh. Well, that's the name of the title. The title of episode nine is The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that... that, that, that oh, not... no, I love that. Oh, I love see... that. This is the Skywalker trilogies I coming know. to an end. I know, but it it, it, it sort of... like two. There, there were a couple of things that were really fantastic about um, the, the last film, The Last Jedi, right? Yes, like there were a lot. Actually, there were lots of good things. There about was, it. mate. Ryan Johnson smashed it. I the last year. absolutely love fabulous. It. Um, and I wish he could have done number three. To be honest, oh, don't even start me. But yes, um, but he's got a whole because, Star Wars series to worry about. Yeah, but but like, yes. he, but but he took some of the really naff stuff that um, uh, JJ Abrams had set mm. up and just went. You know what? I'm just going to throw all of this away because it's all rubbish. Yep. Um, you know things like Kylo Ren's helmet and, and you know who Ray's parents were and all this sort of stuff. Well, yeah, uh, effectively explaining away Ray's parents as just two drunks. Yep. Like it was great. Like that was actually really good because I think the last thing we needed was, oh look, she's a secret Skywalker. No, not, yeah. not again. Right, and uh, with the you know, the, the title of the new film, and the... I don't think it's feeding into that. Oh, I hope not. Um, and and then you know where it looks like you know Kylo Ren scratching himself up a new mask or something, and it's just like no, well, you don't the assertion do that. is that it's Kylo Ren. Well, this is um, true. bringing that back together, just like in that vehicle that Ray does the amazing backflip thing over. Yep. The assertion in that is that Kylo Ren is driving, but we don't we see don't. him. No, we no, just we see we gloves. We don't. But the, so uh, uh, I'm I'm just hoping that J.J. Abrams actually looks at the Last Jedi and goes, you know what? It was probably a really good idea to throw all that stuff out and let's just keep going. My uh, understanding uh, um, is that Ryan Johnson gets a credit, a as, a, credit. as like a script consultant. Oh, I hope so because my biggest fear is J.J. Abrams goes, no, <laughs> we're going back to the well, and it turns oh. out that Leia had a daughter that she didn't even know about. It's like, oh god, don't, don't. Well, Don't the, the, do it. The good thing on this is I've got some very nerdy Star Wars friends mm-hmm. who like are deep, deep, deep in what is now no longer canon, <laughs> but yes. you know across all of that sort sure. of stuff, it's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they reminded me that what is still canon is the Knights of Skywalker, right? That okay. possibly the idea that the rise of Skywalker isn't about Rey being a Skywalker, or even about Kylo Ren. Um, you know, being uh, of Skywalker blood, mm-hmm. but that rather, presumably Ray goes on to train Jedi that become the Knights of Skywalker. Look, you know what? I, I'm I, I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna try and stay as optimistic as I humanly can, Stephen. Sure. I'm gonna try to avoid spoilers. I, I've yep. actually been pretty good at avoiding spoilers. I know, and I'm Star keen. Wars I don't movies. want any spoilers. I want to go in just um, all I want to see is the trailers, and that is it. But. Uh, yeah, but then again, I mean, <laughs> it's it's funny the um, the 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 nonsense, you know, Star Wars backlash, uh, uh, jerks stuff. It just it annoys the hell out of me because it's all boys. It's all idiot men. 
Yeah, well, yes, it is idiot men. Again, they're probably the same idiot men who are on the same subreddits who are, you know, like I was referring oh, to earlier. Um, the worst. They're the worst humans out. I don't, Stephen. <laughs> Let's go off on a tangent, Stephen. Okay, I, I know that it. it rarely happens in this podcast, but fuck, what do we do with these people, Stephen? Okay, like. <laughs> like Hard I'm, reset, Dave. I mean, I mean this in all seriousness, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I genuinely wonder how the hell we deal with these people because like, let, let's start these are broken people okay like they they are they are broken they have a lot of issues going on and and the 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 bitter irony is that the kind of weird bravado and toxic masculinity that they are buying into is actually the source of most of their problems. These are people yeah. who are feeling, you know, massively disempowered. And rather yep. than sort of looking at the power structures and asking uh, why they've been excluded, they're blaming someone else who's also been excluded, uh, which is usually women and people of colour. Yeah. So, like, they're just way on the wrong path. But they, they, they are themselves, you know, um, victims of a sort here. But how do we address that? Like, because it's not the responsibility of their targets to rehabilitate them like like women don't have a um a, a a responsibility to rehabilitate stupid misogynists you know mm. people of color don't have a responsibility to rehabilitate asshole bigots so yes. what do we do with them what do we do with them steve oh, look uh, the glib response is that we point over to an island over there and go hey everyone over there is something to complain about <laughs> and they all rush over there and then we bomb it <laughs> can i tell you i was seriously thinking <laughs> You know, with with the incels and their men going their own way and all mm. all these horrible horrible people, you know, <laughs> one of the things that they talk about is you know, how great it's going to be when sex robots are a thing, right? And I was literally thinking, you know, maybe maybe that's the solution. Maybe we sort of we we pick out like a low lying Pacific island. Mm. And we say, hey, you want to move there? There's free sex bots. Welcome to Westworld. And we give them their own like. Uh, like carved off version of the internet, yes. <laughs> so that they can't pollute the rest of us. Keep pumping in, like, and just pump them in stuff that they want to hear. That like Donald Trump is president forever. Um, none of them believe in climate change, so this is why I want to put it on a low lying Pacific island because eventually, mm. what's going to happen is like it, it, it's just going to go away. Um, <laughs> so what I'm hearing is, give them Tuvalu. <laughs> I mean. Is it the worst idea ever? I mean, I don't know. And like, I'm not saying I'm going to force anyone, but sure. if you say to these people, hey, you can go and have a free sex robot, for the sounds of things, that they'd be pretty well on board. So There was a really great episode of TOEFOP this week where they talked about the fact that um, uh, the rise of sex robots means that they well, ultimately could be hacked and that this will be um, how people die <laughs> in the future. Yeah, well, that's it. You wouldn't need to send, um, you know... Send your, your spies over with uh, umbrellas uh, tipped in poison. You could just mm. hack someone's sex robot to to uh, to strangle them and make it look like uh, an erotic asphyxiation uh, gone wrong. Mate, what, have you seen any of Westworld? <laughs> like, uh, I've, legit. I've, I've actually only seen the first season. Well, the, the, but you know the premise, right? I, oh, the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah, here's yeah. this this sure. other world that is all you know filled with robots. You can choose to be a white hat or a black hat. Um, that there's no consequences to the people that you kill and no consequences to the stuff that you do. So if you want to go out and be a bad guy when you're normally a good guy and run around and just shoot people and you know take women and do whatever you want to do with them, you can. Uh, but if you want to be a good guy 
uh, and run around and do whatever you want to do with the women, you can. Um, so look, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't think my plan for, you know, moving all the red pillars into a um, uh, an excluded society, like, I, I mean, it, it kind of yeah, it sounds a bit like a leper colony, and I know that we've already decided that, that was a bad idea. And like I said, I do know, I do know that these people are themselves victims in a way, but the abuse and the just the yeah, terrific the, the toxic effect that they have on everything and the outsized way that their horrible opinions get amplified um, because they are so very good at gaming the systems mm. is ah, I don't know, like I, I, I mean, I'm not even remotely on these people's radar to be a target of their rubbish and I find it pretty horrible I I can't even I can't even imagine the how horrific it is living with being a target of these people which you know yeah. and, and this is the thing it's not even like you need to be a particularly high profile woman to no, to no, that's it to cop their ire it just you know breathing is enough for them to decide that you're an enemy of of you know their self-constructed bizarre fantasy world what do we do with them, Steve? Oh, well, Dave, here, just to, to take this rabbit hole a bit deeper, I guess, um, I share an office with the social responsibility uh, person within the, you know, the, the church I work for in Queensland. And she asked me this question this week, and I thought it was a good one because it made me stop and ponder. Um, she asked me, what does it mean to be white? Right. And... I mean, apart from, like, you know, in, in being Anglo in, in Australian society. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of, a, I had to think for a second and, and sort of I started down the path of, well, it means that all advertising is targeted to me. It means that I see who I am reflected and represented in, you know, 95% of media in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's, this kind of conversation started to play out that, you know, that because of um, the opportunity that I have, I'm exceedingly privileged and, and that... Um, I'm in a position of power simply for breathing, um, especially because I'm a 45-year-old white man. And, and, and let's also not forget that this is also a, an identity that um, has been cultivated mm. as as a norm so that you could other everything else too. Yes. Like, it, this is the, the thing that, that shits me when you have your Andrew Bolts and people are like going, oh, if you call me an old white man, you're being racist. It's just like, mate, you, you guys set the rules, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> yep. This was a label that you guys chose. Um, it, it's you know not some some accident that that's been thrown back at you. Ugh. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, no. So it, it just made me ponder and think that through. And she was like, "Yeah, because yeah, she's she's looking at issues of racism in society and what that means and how do we." Her particular thing was how do we include um, people of color and people of other culture. Um, into that, so that it's not, it's not, you know, black and white. So that it's, it's, you know, in that context, so that it is truly multicultural, multi-cross-cultural, um, and it stops other cultures and other um, people forming, you know, the, the the opposite where they go. Well, we have to stay in our little people group because that's the safest way for us to exist. Because you guys don't give us opportunity. You don't. Um, welcome us into a society. So, of course, we're going to be sitting over here and just talking to our mates. Um, 
and not and we don't we'll involve ourselves as much as you let us effectively mm. and that's the, the that's a difficult recognition for some people to acknowledge that we have to welcome people from other cultures and 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 stuff into Australian society it's not just to say well you've got a house here you can live here or we've welcomed you as refugees it's like no no we have to actually welcome them in uh, and or even seek to a, include them even going a step back uh, we actually need to include welcome and welcome the people yeah, who were yeah. here before us uh, which is not very good at either yeah it's a whole that's a whole other hill uh, of beans isn't it oh man oh, just and look so Star Wars is good <laughs> But the, you know they're going to ruin it. You know they are, Steve. They're going to try to ruin it. And that makes Look, me angry too. Yeah, but they will, Dave, but only if you let them. Look, in the, in that situation, the stuff around particularly Star Wars, mm. it's... it's Oh, I know. It's it, such a first world problem. It is. You know, you're it right. Is. We can stay right away from all of the angry people that talk stuff. We can eat, we can see the headlines where someone, you know, uh, someone claims that something, something Star Wars hates women, oh, hates men and all of the rest of it. Whatever. Sure. It's like the the outcry from some knob jockey keyboardists that have claimed that Captain Marvel, and I've seen this on you know some otherwise partially reputable Christian websites, suggesting that Captain Marvel is part of a conspiracy by Disney uh, to reveal their true hate of men um, and prioritise women. Captain Marvel, God. Dave. God. I, yeah. it, it just it, every everything about. Captain Marvel as a movie, a fun, good, enjoyable, uh, and pointed out that it's men. Essentially, if we want to take a step on it, it was men in Captain Marvel's life, in Carol Danvers' life, that limited her and held her back and stopped her from being able to achieve. Hmm. And part of her uh, her story arc in Captain Marvel is overcoming that and basically going fuck you. Not a bad allegory, really, is it? <laughs> no, mate. Welcome to the hashtag us two. Oh man! Oh jeez! Oh, I don't know. See, I don't. I, I, I just. I mean, have a look at the ludicrosity of the the Jeffrey Rush defamation <sighs> case. Yes. Like, fair enough. I, I would say to you that the writing by the Daily Telegraph, ninety nine percent of the time, could be laid out as as being defamatory. Um, that's my understanding, but I'm no legal man. Um, for the the for the way that it played out for the actress at the centre of this to essentially be tried and the veracity of her claims be dismissed in a defamation case simply because of how the Daily Telegraph and Jonathan Moran reported it is horrific. Isn't it just? Because even then in her press conference afterwards, I didn't want it. Like, I didn't raise this or talk about this for this to happen. Mm-hmm. I talked about it because it was a thing that happened to me and I needed to tell someone. And, and, and the judge basically said, oh, but you said everything was great in other interviews, so therefore this can't have happened. Uh, like, if there could be any more of a tone-deaf response from an old white man, I have not met it other than Andrew Bolt. And not not just that, but I, I saw someone point out the fact that, uh, like, the the... The damages awarded against someone for uh, sexual harassment in Australia have never ever gone anywhere close to what Jeffrey Rush got in his defamation settlement. Rebel Wilson got awarded one point, whatever it was, million, and that got wound back 
on but, that, but again, that was that was def- that was defamation again. But that wasn't like what I'm saying is where people have sued other people because of harassment. The, um, the but that uh, hasn't happened. This is entirely defamation. Yeah, no, this is what I'm saying though. Like where, where people have sued other people for yes. sexual harassment, the actual um, oh, it's minuscule. By the, yeah, the damages that get awarded to them by the court are, are nothing. Um, yeah, nowhere near as much as what Jeffrey Rush got for a defo action. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's pretty ugly. Um, Dave, on other things we probably should just touch on before we have to wrap up, because I know that we're getting to that time. We're, we're heading there. Um, uh, apparently, a horse called Winx is running its final race today. Um, that's that's all I... That's it. It's a horse. Oh, Merry Christmas. What, what a battler. Uh, it, it's a horse. Like, all of this... <laughs> I, people romancing Steve. over... But, but Ro- romanticizing over the fact that a horse has won some races. But Steve, if you if you have a go, if you have a go, you get a go. D- oh, Dave, like you know, it's a d- horse. What a trier! What a, what a what a genuine Aussie trier. Dave, it's a horse. It's no, no, a horse no, no, in, Steve, a, in an entirely Steve, corrupt industry. Steve, it, it, it's it's an emblem of how all Australians have a fair go. All they need to do <laughs> is have. Um, an excellent bloodline and and the best facilities provided to them to to achieve anything. Anyway, Winx is a horse. Um, I have I've decided oh. to take up the fight um, with all of my conservative friends who are posting things on Facebook like I stand with Israel Folau, oh um and essentially suggest that um, He's he's being limited in his right to express his faith and those sorts of things. I am trying to politely at this point uh, challenge the assertion that it's not a question of his faith being silenced, but rather him breaching his contract. Hmm. Um, that's not <laughs> going well. I, I did, did uh, see someone pointing out uh, that Izzy had not really dipped into uh, in Le- Leviticus where it says that you shan't get a tattoo. Yes, yeah, no, that's been shared pretty nicely and it is pretty great when if you're going to take a fundamental view of the things that has he has shared... Mm-hmm. Um, Leviticus yet, is about the only place you're going to find him, so... Well, no, he's laid out some stuff. The stuff that he rips out is uh, from Galatians where he talks about the adulterers and the oh, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but they all go, no, no, that's what the Bible says. Well, okay, friends, what about this bit back here where it talks about don't get a tattoo? Oh, that's different, apparently. <laughs> that's cultural. Um, oh, what cultural, like how in Tongan culture, uh, prior 200 years ago to uh, Western faith coming to your nation, um, having someone that was c- transgender uh, or cross-dressing, that was okay. Like that was, you had a name for it in Tongan. It's called a fakaleti. And they were just considered to be the third gender in your society. And that was all right. Don't even start me. Um, so Israel is on my shit list. Um, uh, other highlights. Uh, Mum is in hospital in Sydney right now. I need to find out the latest update, but as of yesterday, she was meant to go in for a skin flap something and skin graft and whatever because the leg, the lower left leg, that they put a plate into where she broke it um, four times across the two bones there. Oh, dear. Um, they had to put a plate in to help it heal and be strong. Um, the skin above the the surgery has died, so they were going to try and do a skin this skin flap procedure and put a skin graft over the top of it. Um, she spent like nine or ten hours in surgery on Friday, 
and the skin flap that they cut out they couldn't use because they couldn't find an artery that hadn't calcified in her leg um, to be able to attach it to. Mm. So there was um, the plastic surgeons, we're going to talk to the orthopedic surgeons today about whether or not they could remove the plate or what they could do or how they could make it work. And in Dad and my very unmedical opinion, we just went, because I asked him what happens if none of that can work, he said, we'll have to take it off. So... I don't know where that's landing, but mm. um, certainly my view would be to say, don't waste your time saving it, but I'm not in charge of mum's leg. Mum is. Mm. Uh, and she'll go spare, I think, in part. It might be a little bit... Like, it might play well for her, and then it might be, well, that's okay, I can cope with this. Um, it's unlikely, but she might go down that path. I definitely think she'll milk it for sympathy. Um, and so he's catching the train down from Gill down to... Of Dubbo, technically, down to Sydney. We'll probably He's hasten, down there now. We'll probably He's hasten go. we have to get off the farm conversation, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, well, that, that, that's that's a given, but they can't do that until the, the will probate finishes and they get the farm proper, but it is happening. Um, but it, but that's now interrupted by getting mum sorted and getting mm. her back to Dubbo, really. Um, so that's happening. Um, what else is happening? Uh, I am in semi-crisis blind mode about some crazy stuff that's going on at work around my role um, to the point where last week I would have said to you my boss was gaslighting me Um, that's pretty horrific Um, and I'm this week just trying to front foot a lot of things and make sure meetings get happened and organised and planned so that I'm meeting the KPIs that have been set for me so that they can't push me out the door because I haven't done that um and the challenge around some of those things is that then when I went into people's calendars to make the meetings, you know, set up the meetings, um, the people that I need to have the meetings with aren't free until the first week of May. Oh, it's the 12th of April, the day that we record this, Dave. I've got to let... This has to sit just idly by for another two and a bit weeks before I can meet with any of them to progress anything. Um, so that's pretty shithouse. How can people have no time in their schedule for three and a half weeks? Well, e- Easter gets in the way a little bit. I will acknowledge that. Yeah, um, but trying to line the planets up for my boss and her boss and someone else in separate meetings is proving to be... Like, you would think I was asking for the planets to align. Um, so what you're saying is Star Wars is good. Star Wars is great, Dave. Star so Wars pumped about Star Wars. Uh, And an an issue that's happening at church, independent of all of this, looks like it's on the resolve. Um, I'll know after Wednesday night. But certainly a lot of the claims that had been made where it was either inferred or directly delivered that I was the problem has all been doubled back on by the people who are making those claims. Right. Yes. So the senior pastor and I continue to have a great conversation about, you know... How, how this has got to this point and why this is a thing and all sorts of stuff. It's crazy talk. Um, and then on top of everything else, a friend of mine shared a very important secret with me uh, that he has told not many people and I um, can't go into more detail than that other than saying that this secret that, that he has is amazing and incredibly sad because he cannot reveal it to pretty much anybody else outside the small group that he's told uh, because it will mean the end of his career. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, Right. And... You've been having a heavy couple of weeks, Mark. 
and and this weekend I'm meant to be on a camp uh, that I was going to, and then within the space of three days, my boss doubled back on that approval, so I'm now not going to, um, in part because some of the people who were leading it said that they didn't need me there in as many words. Um, so that's part of what these meetings down the track are going to talk about. Star Wars is amazing, Dave. Mm, Star Wars is good. Cobra good. Kai is going to be phenomenal. Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear all of that. Yeah, that that's all right. Not... I mean, that, that's the high points. And and I did want to. I, we needed to have an up episode, Dave. And I'm sorry to drag it down at the end, but I figured I needed to just update you and anyone else no, no. that's still listening about. Um, <laughs> Just how interesting the past two weeks, and that's just the last two weeks, Dave, have been. Man, that's... Yep. New Game of Thrones on Monday. Star Wars is coming. We've booked our tickets for Avengers Endgame. So much good stuff. I can't decide whether I want to go see Avengers Endgame on the big screen or go and get lash out for some gold class tickets. I did think about gold class, but uh, referring back to our earlier conversation where mm. I can't afford to replace motorcycle. my motorcycle mm. and we just spent a thousand dollars on it that we didn't expect to have to. Yes. Um, we're all going to see a VMAX session on the 24th. Yeah. So and the look, biggest look, screen we can and, and straight me, after school. Part of me, that's bang. my preference as well. The, although it has been pointed out by other members of my family that three and a bit hours in not particularly comfy seats is not going to be all that fun. Oh, look, the, the VMAXs aren't too bad. Oh, yeah. But certainly Gold Class is pretty Elsie. amazing. <laughs> the seats in our one are pretty old. But um, Then I would definitely Gold Class it, Dave. But, the, but then, the, see, the problem with the Gold Class is, like, and I know that they do you know, very well to try to be unobtrusive and, you know, it's not like I need to order mm. food. But you still have you know, your people wandering in and out. And, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. mate, I can look past that. That's fine. But the catch is the screen's not very big. No, like, exactly. Yep. The VMAX is you will feel it, and, and going on effectively opening day, you'll get all people who are fans. You're not getting idiots to go, I might go see this film. No, yes. you're getting people that want to be there to see it. When we went and saw Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and again, this was it was not my decision, but we went to a Sunday afternoon showing. Yes. And so there were people there who had their toddlers and even younger oh. children than that. Yeah. And so there was plenty of screaming and mm-hmm. kids running around and just this is like it was a bit distracting Steve, yeah to I be, hear that to be completely honest with you and and I say that acknowledging that you know parents have a right to go out to the film to the movies as well and you know, I didn't have to go on a matinee but that's when I was there and it did make me go especially after we'd go you know, like we, we got discounts on the tickets and there was still you know close to 60 bucks yeah, um, yeah. and then you know I, God, I don't even want to think about how much we spent at the snack bar and, and it did really make yeah, me yeah. go you know <laughs> we can watch movies at home <laughs> we've got a yeah, nice yeah. TV <laughs> oh mate this is it, it's become that now some of these movies that are coming out it's like either we get very lucky to get some preview tickets to some things yep or like it has to be an Avengers Endgame Star Wars kind of move to get us to the cinemas mm-hmm. uh, but like for example Lego Movie 2 we're really keen to see it However, we get it. We're lucky to be in a position to get it for free on our fetch in six to ten months' time. Yeah. We'll just wait for that. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, look, we're even at the point now where... <laughs> you love this. I watched Pulp Fiction with Rupert last night. Don't say it was your first time, Dave. No. Good. It was his, though. Whose bi- who bike is this, Dave? <laughs> it's not a bike, it's, it's not, a, it's chopper. Not a bike, it's a chopper. Whose chopper is this, Dave? Zed's, baby. 
Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Anyway, I, I only had it on um, DVD. And okay. so we, we popped that in and put it on the television. And let me tell you, DVDs didn't look great on a HD television. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> but they look absolutely horrendous oh. on a 4K television. Oh, and, I can imagine. And we literally got about five minutes into it, and I just went... I'm just going to go and buy this. <laughs> so we literally stopped the DVD, flicked <laughs> oh, across to the Apple TV and bought it on iTunes. Don't you have a Netflix account? Wouldn't it have been on Netflix? No, it's not on Netflix. It's not, it's not on Netflix. It, it, it was on Stan, but yeah. we don't actually have our own Stan log on. We have someone else's and they were already watching it. So oh, watching Dave. something. So we couldn't get on Dave. there. That's Shut crazy up. <laughs> the one thing that the, the Star Wars thing, uh, uh, when, when The Force Awakens came out, I was very lucky to be able to go down to Melbourne for like the the midnight screening premiere with the Skywalking um, Star Wars fan club connected to via Steel Wars, Steel Saunders and his stuff. Mm -hmm. But they booked out like these two. It turned out they they had two. Skywalking had two of the biggest cinemas in Melbourne. Wow. Full of people. Yep. Um, And the one that I was in like I would have said good 60% of them were dressed up. Nice. So there's Boba Fett's and lots of Jedi's and Chewbacca's and Wookiees and all sorts of stuff. Like it was super, super fun. Mm-hmm. And to be in the audience at midnight when that Lucasfilm logo gets up and you just hear it's sort of this, awesome. you know, joyous murmuring yep. and then the Star Wars logo pops up and you hear screaming and cheers. And applause. <laughs> and that's just the opening titles day. Yep. You can imagine how the rest of the beats of that film went down when everyone else is cheering at different points and you hear gasps like across the across this sort of 800 seat cinema blah 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 like it's just an amazing experience. It is good. And so I got to go and do that. Yeah, so we, we, um, we've done the, we've done the midnight for just down here. Obviously not on that scale. Oh, well, uh, the eldest but, but we've done we've done that for all of them except for Solo recently. Yeah, well, um, Eldest Son and I did it for Solo, and we did it for The Last Jedi. And you're right. It is massive. It is great just being in that atmosphere where yeah. there's just nothing but fans. Mate, people cheering a movie. Like, mm. how can you not be into that? It's good fun. So good. Um, and then, of course, because it was Steel Saunders, we walked out of the cinema and into the pub next door, which he had arranged to stay open and filmed, uh, recorded an immediate reaction podcast. Sweet. Oh, it was phenomenal. Like, we then... And the tickets included like that and bus from the city. So we then got back on a bus and caught the bus back into the city as the sun got up. <laughs> and a bunch of people went, well, I'm off to go and watch it again. <laughs> they, they got tickets nice. booked for the first gold class session and we're going in to watch that. Oh, that's cool. I just, I, like I intentionally didn't book accommodation that night. I had all of the, that I went to Melbourne with in the bag with me. And I just went and copped the airbus out to the, the airport and went home. Sweet. I was phenomenal. Uh, but what it has put into my mind is that I think what this might mean as part of this year's Festival of Mulk, um, that we drive down to Melbourne. Right. And we all go. Nice. Uh, which might have to mean that we have to stop in at Albury. Well, Stephen, luckily, I know somewhere where you could stay in Albury. <laughs> Does it have a working a working bathroom? Uh, well... The caravan doesn't, but... Do most to, rooms have welcome, enough electricity? You're welcome to come into the house, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not floated that at all, 
with Michelle, and I'm <laughs> well, sure... Well, well, it's okay. Well, listen, you've probably got three or four weeks before I put the podcast up before she finds out that we've talked about it, so that gives you heaps of time to discuss it. <laughs> it, it, it as you noted on Twitter this week, it was my wife that basically prompted us, when's the next one? <laughs> um, we know that we at least have one listener, and I know there's more than that. Um, <laughs> I was actually amazed how few of them <laughs> poked me about the, the I think they just. Well, I think that they've just become... Um, aware that you know, the episode comes out when it comes out. I don't out. know. I, I meant more about the content and oh. the timing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, mate, I got chided about it. <laughs> I think you're a bit harsh on Dave. No, <laughs> no, not, I wasn't really. harsh enough. Not really. I was pretty gentle. Uh, all right. I did say I'm a bitch. Um, <laughs> I, I, as, as much as I want to keep chatting, go. I've got to go. I've, I'm, I'm approaching the hard cap. Oh, look at you with your life. Um, it's, it's responsibility to other people, Mulk. Uh, you know. Yeah, I understand. Hey, Dave. Hey, Mark. How about we talk at some point in the next six to eight weeks? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. You're, you're going to turn this thing around now and get it up in, in record time, and you're not going to know what to do with yourself. No one will care. <laughs> no, no one it will. It'll still take him four to six weeks to listen. <laughs> uh, all righty. I've got to go. You take care of yourself, Stephen. I will. Big shout out to Andrew again. Great to have you on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Look forward to you crashing and burning again this season. <laughs> Alrighty, you've been such a mug. You take care. I love you. Love you too, Dave. Bye. Bye.